What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. G'day everyone, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. It is I, Lyle Swithenbank, your host at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter, at Ethos Pelicans is the show. Now, it's draft time, well, just about 23rd of June, we're coming up, mum's birthday, and to celebrate and to preview the draft, obviously I don't know too much about it because I don't watch it, uh, I've had to assemble the Sports Ethos. Avengers. That's what I'm calling them. That's what we've done before. That's what they are. I've brought the guys in and I am joined by the fantastic Will Harris from the All Rookie Podcast, the fantastic Brad Harden from Sports Ethos Hawks. I've got Corbin Ford from the Round Ball Ramble and Lucas Gaynor from the Sports Ethos Celtics. The only team still in contention for a for a championship Ouch. how you going there mate you're, you're sitting on a knife's edge how, how how are the nerves coming into the uh into the finals coming up oh like i said to you guys before the show i'm kind of just you know it's the calm before the storm right now you know the last two minutes of game seven probably took a good five to seven years off my life you know especially with that jimmy butler shot so uh trying to relax right now but you know it does feel good to be the uh the only one left in the uh in the room you know hoping to get a ring on my finger you know what i'm saying <laughs> right and uh we'll well into the uh the the new rookie class after following them all all of last year i mean what do you think overall of this uh rookie class coming up the incoming draft class of 2022 uh, this draft class is really nice you know a lot of people have talked about this draft coming up it's going to be a weak draft i feel it's pretty loaded with talent it's a lot of shooting guards in this draft very talented uh, so if you're looking for shooting guards, you're in the right draft. Uh, centers and point guards, maybe not as deep as you would want it to be, but I think it's going to be a good draft. A lot of teams going to come out happy after this draft. Well, I mean, watch this space. I mean, we're looking for a wing at, uh, at the Pels, uh, so we'll be uh, hopefully snagging on with that eighth pick. Uh, Brad, the Hawks, a bit later on in the lottery, uh, pick 16, well, an up and down season for the Hawks, and all of a sudden we're here, middle of the lottery. What are your thoughts coming into the uh, into the draft? Here we are, not where we were last year. Um, 
mixed emotions. Uh, I know there's been a lot of Hawks fans really ready to burn Nate McMillan at the stake, uh, whether it's not calling timeouts when on in the midst of being in 20 old runs or uh, not playing rookies, which me and Will have talked about uh, off air. Um, so this is a really interesting, you know, really interesting perspective for me to come in this episode because I don't know if the Hawks keep this pick or not. And like me and Will spoke the other day, there's a lot of value in this in this draft, some hidden gems if you're willing to develop them. And I don't know if the Hawks are ready for that. So I'm ready to be a part of the conversation, see what let you guys know what I see, uh, but also talk, you know, just broad spectrum as far as the NBA and this draft uh, is concerned. Too right. And uh, Corbin, how you going, mate? Good to see you. Um, Always. Well, I mean, appreciate the Lakers for uh, that <laughs> wonderful eighth pick. And I had to get that in early. That's, oh the, that's for everyone out there. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to rub it in, Lyle. I mean, listen, congrats on a great season. Uh, we did not have a great season. It, it was, it, you know, this is going to be fun times two. Um, and now I'm just trying to learn to love again and, you know, trying to see if, you know, I can be a believe in Russell Westbrook one more time. Uh, cause that's when the trade's gonna happen, and you know, in him we trust, and not just on my pizza. <laughs> yeah, well, it's gonna be an interesting season. Hopefully, um, you know, it's good for the league. I think if the Lakers are, are performing, I mean, as long as yeah. they finish in the plane and something to watch, it'd be um, be fantastic. And uh, we'll be looking down at them from the fourth seed. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, uh, so we're gonna break down the draft, and again, guys, I appreciate your time. Uh jumping on here and, and running through it. And I thought a good way to sort of unpack this, I mean, there's been a lot of, I suppose, uh, conjecture, particularly around the number one pick. There's probably three consensus guys from everyone that I've been speaking to as to who's going to be, um, you know, the number one pick. There's probably three guys in contention for that, perhaps four. Um, we'll start off with Will. Who do you think is this number one pick? I mean, there's the the three, the big three, I suppose. Um, who do you think Orlando Magic take with with the first pick? Well, it's been said that the Magic are leaning towards taking Jabari Smith. That is the guy I feel they should take. That's the most talented prospect, in my opinion. I know a lot of guys love Chet. I think he has a great ceiling as well, but he also has a high probability to fail. Uh, I think Jabari Smith is pretty much a lock to be a multi-year all-star, could fit right in with the Magic roster right now, can shoot the ball amazing. Corbin knows I love my player comparisons, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and throw it out early in the show. I think Jabari Smith reminds me a little bit of Kevin Durant, so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay. I do like your comparisons, but that one is interesting, sir. <laughs> I mean, if the Magic get Kevin Durant, 2.0, I mean, come on. That's, <laughs> they're gonna, that's gonna push him up the rankings, you'd think. Um, I mean, well, there you go. You've heard it here. If he turns into Kevin Durant, it was on this pod that he said it. I mean, he said it all over, but uh, I'm gonna claim it. And, um, you know, because that's just what I do. Uh, pick number two, I suppose the other two guys in that top three is being Chet Holgren and uh, Paolo Banchero. Corbin, what do you think the, the Thunder do here? They've got a couple of picks in the lottery, but with pick two, who do you think they're leaning towards? That's such an interesting, like, fit as far as where the Thunder lie in regards to those interesting prospects because each player brings different attributes to the Thunder that they need right now. They're rebuilding, right? Like, they need 
that anchor around them um, alongside Shea Gilders Alexander, of course, Josh Giddy as well. Um, if you get Chet Holmgren, you get somebody who defensively is going to be an impact maker from the top. You know, someone who shoots a three at a high clip, somebody who I think his passing game, um, I think he had like three assists per game in Gonzaga, but like would definitely raise up a level of better shot makers or shot finishers around him. Um, whereas if you get Pau Bancaro, I like, I like him because he's someone that is a funnel offensive. You could play through him in that way. He also fits the position of need in that forward spot for OKC. Um, I mean, right now, they basically need help anywhere but the guard. So it's interesting where either go. Looking at, you know, the, the previous picks of Sam Presti, um, he can kind of go all over the map here. We've seen what he's done in the early days of building OKC, you know, with the Durant, Harden, Westbrook picks in between one and four or two and four. We've seen what he's done even more recently with length and, um, you know, the Alexi uh, Pokashevsky experiment. I think they lean more Chet, and I get the idea there um, behind having someone they could still develop that could still be an anchor on their side. I would like Powell Bancaro, but I could also see um, maybe some of, okay, Giddy having ball. Shea Gildas Alexander having ball, and already the two of them are not really having an issue, but, you know, Shea's saying, hey, he wants to be the point guard on this team. You've got two guys who are on ball, um, and now you bring in Paul Bancaro, who also plays best after kind of feeling the ball a little bit, you know? So I think Chet's probably the more seamless fit. I would like Powell personally, but, you know, again, we're going with OKC's team-building philosophy. I think Chet fits right in. Yeah, I can say that. I can absolutely say that. And, uh, and Luca, pick three, does that leave uh, – Paolo Banchero there. Is that your thought that he's going to get that uh, spot at the Rockets? Um, as far as what I think is going to happen, definitely. Um, I feel like Paolo will go there at number three. But to be completely frank, I'm more of a uh, – there's a top two tier. And then maybe Paolo's one tier below them, maybe above the, uh, above the next group of like a lot of the shooting guards. Um, so I think Houston probably just – he's the best player available. He's a safe player. I think that's probably where they would go, even though, you know, there are some other names that are definitely tantalizing to me at that number three spot uh, outside of Paulo, but that's probably what they would do if I had, if I had to predict, yeah, they would probably take Paulo. Yeah. And, and Brad, so pick four, I guess, is, is that Sacramento pick. They snuck up into, into that pick four. And I mean, they need the, all the help they can get over there because the Kings are in absolute shambles. Um, but who are they going uh, with that? There's a few names floated around at that spot. I think the logical selection there would be Jay Nivey. Uh, I think he's definitely the fourth best player in this draft uh, after mentioning, obviously, the top three that we just mentioned. Uh, now, will they uh, will they keep that guard? Because they keep shopping guards around. Who knows? I mean, you saw how quickly they got rid of Halliburton just to get some bonus. So, obviously, they don't need a big there. Um, and they got to figure out exactly if they're going to trade De'Aaron Fox or not, and Davion Mitchell did look good in the minutes that he got last year. Also, uh, getting a two-guard next to either of those guys uh, who has the ability to score at a high level that he does, uh, that, that has the explosiveness, uh, would make for a pretty nice uh, backcourt as a building block for Mike Brown and the Kings. So I would say Jay Nivey is probably the logical choice if you're going offense, but I mean, the guy from Arizona, I mean, I wouldn't mind that pick either if you want to go more defense and more uh, developmental prospect there, but it just depends on what direction Mike Brown in this organization, which we know, Jill, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but we don't know where the hell y'all going at times. We don't know, but I'm just, though, those would be two, I mean, good guards to, you know, pair in, in Sacramento. 
I think Sacramento don't know what they're doing from day to day either. And that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's been the problem with them. I mean, Jaden Ivey, I mean, I I hope that people just forget about him and he falls to number eight because or we trade up or go and get him because I reckon he is just, he's awesome. And watching his star, uh, his highlights, that guy's so quick, so athletic. He looks like Jar Morant. Honestly, the way he plays is just, I think he's unbelievable. His athleticism and uh, he's a real steal at four, I think. So, I mean, you know, Sacramento is probably going to pull, they either go and, and get the guy that they're meant to, or they're going to pull some random crazy thing and pick some guy that's probably going to be pick 30 overall. But um, who really knows? Pick five, uh, the Detroit Pistons still in uh, rebuild mode. Will, what are you thinking there? There's a, it's, this is where we hit the sort of wing area, isn't it? Where there's a whole heap of tier two wings, I guess. Um, what, what are your thoughts there? What did Detroit do? Right. Uh, right now, it seems like they're looking towards Shaden Sharp. You know, he's kind of the unknown mystery man in the draft. You know, he's incredible in high school. He was supposed to play for Kentucky, i.e. Lyle Shirt, uh, and didn't show up this year, basically because he knew he was going to be a top 10 pick. And, you know, during the combine, he's not even really doing much during the combine, too. So a lot of uh, scouts and GMs are kind of like, come on, do you want to play basketball at all? I mean, do you love basketball? Because they want to see him play. They want to know if he's worth a top five pick. And it's really up in the air because a lot of guys look great in high school. So, I mean, it's a different level when you're in that college and in the NBA. It's two steps up. So he's skipping a step. So they could go there. If they want to go for the highest risk reward, go with Shaden Sharp. But my fifth-ranked player is Benedict Matherin. That's who I would pick. But, you know, I, I think Detroit's probably going to try to go with Shade and Sharp, but we'll see. We'll see. I got a question for Luca also. It seemed like you weren't that high on Paolo. Who do you have ranked higher than Paolo? Sound like you had a guy or two above. No. So so Jabari and Chet are definitely above him for me. Um, and maybe I would just to me, I would just maybe put him in a tier below them. I would say he probably would be at the top of the tier. But to me, Paolo is a very safe player to take. You know, I feel like you know what you're gonna get from him. But my concern with him is that he doesn't necessarily, to me, do any one thing at a hyper elite level. You know, he's a well-rounded player, but I would say that Sharp's upside interests me. But at the end of the day, like you said, he's too much of a mystery man for me to really like put him over Paulo because I feel like I know what I'm getting with Paulo. Obviously, you don't with Shaden. And uh, Ivy and Ben Matherin are right there in that conversation for me as well, too. Um, I think that's probably due to just the nature of them being like – they lead scores, you know, lead ball handling guards who can fill it up. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure about Paulo. No, I don't want to like overcompensate and act like Paulo is like not in my top five or anything, but I just am not sure if he has, I'm just going to say he reminds me of Julius Randall a little bit with that's all I'm going to say. That's where I'll, that's where I'll leave it at. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, High risk, high reward. That's a, that's still a strong guy. I mean, I'll take Julius Randle, especially uh, – I mean, I remember watching him play in college, and that first game he played where he dropped 27 and 6 or something, he just went absolutely – he looked like a, a man amongst boys playing in that, in that college. But, um, I mean, who knows whether that will translate into the, uh, into the big leagues. Uh, pick six then, that's the Pacers. Um, Brad. 
What do you think with uh, with that Pacers pick? They're obviously they're in a bit of an in between sort of space at the moment. Are they blowing it up? Are they not? Obviously, getting the younger guys with um, Halliburton and and healed, but who knows? What do you think they go for at, at that pick? So they're kind of, um, I mean, they've had more success as a franchise, obviously, than the Kings, but they're still kind of in a which direction are they going to go. I mean, obviously, they have Halliburton. They have to figure out what they want to do with Brogdon. Um, as of right now, with a Miles Turner is staying, and I think with you shipping out Sabonis, I think Keegan Murray from Iowa is the logical fit there at number six. Uh, get you another uh, front court player who has the ability to score, can shoot the three, um, high rebound at a high level. Um, and he's not bad on the defensive end as well. Uh, very versatile there, can switch and guard multiple positions. So I think that I think that's the, the smart pick at six. Um, obviously, Sharp has been thrown there, but I mean, you already have Halliburton. You got to figure out the guard situation there in Indiana. And I'm trying to think of anybody else. Um, I think A.J. Griffin, I think that's a little too high for him at six. Um, and Obviously, if Ben does fall, I think Ben, you might best available, you take him at six. Uh, but I think Keegan Murray from Iowa is probably going to be the, be the best player there. Um, I can just see him playing off ball, seeing Halliburton getting him some um, getting him some easy looks and him and Duarte and those young pieces there in Indiana really trying to, I don't know, like making the band, see, see, see how this works out in the Eastern conference. I, I think it'd be fun to watch Keegan stay in the Midwest and go to the Pacers. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. Good scorer, good size. Uh, yeah. Could very, very well slot in there alongside uh, Miles Turner. Should they retain him and, or if they ship him out, well, I mean, you get more young pieces you'd think um, to put alongside Halliburton and, uh, and Keegan Murray. Oh yeah. I like it. I like that spot. Uh, that pick. Pick seven is the Portland Trailblazers. Again, a side that sort of in between, they want to retool, went and shipped out a whole heap of veterans to, I don't know, not really get any much that much back, honestly, uh, in terms of young guys. Uh, if Anthony Simons obviously playing uh, some good basketball there and, and Dame on the on the mend. Um, Lucas, Luca, um, what do you think Portland do with this pick seven? It's an interesting spot for them. It is a very interesting spot. And this to me is where, you know, it really depends on who's on the board. You know, I love Ben Matherin here. He's not, he hasn't been taken in this, uh, right? Nah, you can have him. No. See, I love Ben Matherin, but for me, they need defense, right? And I feel like that's a pretty obvious thing there. So this might be a reach. This is somebody I'm really high on. But I would not rule out Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Okay. I think he's going to be, and for my money, I think he's the best defender in the draft. You know, he has definite work to do on the offensive end, which is why I think it's probably a reach to take him there. But I would, I will say Sohan or Jalen Duran because Nurkic is a solid player, um, but they need a big who's more adjusted to the modern NBA, I think. So those would be my two guys. But since he's my guy, I'm going to say Sohan here is where uh, – what the Blazers are going to do. I don't know if that if anyone else thinks that's like a super reach, but I, I have them about that high in the draft. No, I think it's interesting if they don't trade that pick. You know, I feel like literally once you get to like number four, 
but especially with the Blazers number seven, uh, if the if the direction for them is to still build, <laughs> I'm sorry, around Damian Lillard, I'm not sure with with what pieces after giving away everything for a penny on the dollar. But the point being, like at this point, if you are trying to bring in reinforcements, like all due respect, nobody here at the seventh place is going to be that immediate difference maker that's going to pair with Dame. All right, cool. You're going to be better than you were before. Like, at best, you're going to be exactly where you already were, right? So I think this is where you do try to shop that pick. But I agree with you, Luca. At this point, Lucas, if at this point, if, like, they're still around, if, if, if that pick is not, let's say they try to make a move for, you know, all the names been floated around, whether that is a Jeremy Grant or um, a John Collins, whatever the case may be. Nothing happens, okay, well, then they got to pick the pick. And if you're doing it that way, in regards to team building, yeah, you need defense. It's been a problem for them for a while. The lack of adequate wings has been an issue for them as well. Um, so hand fits both of those. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's that crazy of a reach considering once you get past, like, the top five, you know? Yeah, I, I think he's he's one of those names that has been floated around that spot, I think, and lower as well. I don't think there's any consensus as to whether he's late lottery or he's um, he's that mid-lottery sort of that 7, 8, 9 pick. I know he's been floated around uh, with the Pelicans as well at pick 8, uh, purely being a long-rangey um, uh, wing that can sort of guard 1 through 5 from all reports but can't really shoot. I mean, we at the Pelicans have uh, the shot doctor in Fred Vinson who has fixed that many jump shots that uh, he's lost count. I mean, could that be? I think issues with free throws and stuff, obviously, have red flags, but um, interesting there. So I just, Lyle, if I could just yeah, say, if you got him in New Orleans, okay, I think with the shot doctor, his shot, his mechanics are not are really not that bad. And also him and Herb on defense together would be just, I would have to watch at least 50 of y'all's games the next year if he's, if he's in on New Orleans. I'm going to just say New Orleans PD, I know they're already at the game. They're going to have to be there pretty pretty regularly and enforced because uh, there may be some harassment, some battery charges if those two are in the same defense. That would just be just really fun to watch, especially with GTA running around causing havoc as well. Man, I tell you what, that uh, if you ran a lineup with that, uh, and then you just had Bi and uh, and Zion on the court, I mean, it's it's over. I'd I would just like but, to say, you know, I'm the contrarian here. I, <laughs> I don't like Jeremy Sohan. I think you know, basically, he's a second round pick. Uh, I think he's getting moved up into the lottery because of Herb Jones. You know, because but Herb Jones is not easily replicatable like that. You know what I mean? Yes, Jeremy Sons, great defensive player, college, da, 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 but since when are we taking defensive players in the lottery? When does that ever work out? You know? So that's my take. I, I And everyone's talking about, it. everyone loves Sohan. I just feel I would take, I would reach more for an all-star type of player rather than a role player, great defensive player. Yep. And I feel like I understand that definitely like his offense needs work 100%. And I don't think you should take a person who's just a defender in the lottery, especially with the number seven pick. That's why I even suggested, you know, it might be a little high there. Um, But I do think he can like, he's not no Ben Simmons playmaker, but I think he can create, you know, in, in spurts for others, especially maybe on the short roll. And I'm telling you, I like his mechanics too. So if he gets a good shot doctor, like apparently they have in new Orleans, I think he'll be able to shoot the three a lot better, and that will really uh, – he'll be an elite defensive player and, and like, spot-up shooter, basically, because he can defend one through five for me. And I love defensive versatility, and that's probably why I'm a little bit higher on him than maybe, you know, some other people, right? 
Yeah, if he could be a bigger P.J. Tucker, I mean, and just honestly perfect the corner three. If he can – with the drivers that they have in New Orleans, with C.J. be able to go downhill, Zion obviously and B.I., if he can perfect the corner three and, and obviously add value on the defensive end, I mean, if you want to reach for that, I definitely see that. But I know – defensive shooting is the focal point for the Pelicans. So I'm going to definitely rely on Lyle there. I mean, I have my opinions, but I'm going to rely on you there. Yeah, well, I suppose that brings us to the uh, the fabled eight pick uh, by way of Los Angeles, uh, all the way to sunny New Orleans. Uh, we have a few – sorry, Corbin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So as one of the teams that made the playoffs and also having a uh, top 10 pick, um, yeah, we've had a, a bit of a decision to to make on this. I mean, I've heard names floated around. Dyson Daniels, he's, he's gone now. Um, I can't show my face right now. I'm sorry. I can't um, hide my reaction. Um, it's Dyson Daniels, uh, but from the G League Ignite, obviously Australian. Uh, I'm a big fan of him and have been for a number of years. Um, and Honestly, I think his potential is huge. I saw an interview uh, he must have worked out with Portland today or yesterday, I suppose, overnight for me. Uh, he looked exciting there. Uh, again, Ben Matherin's another guy that's been floated uh, as a guy they go for, as well as a, uh, Jeremy Sohan, uh, the guys that I've seen sort of um, floated, but then guys are chomping at the bit for Jaden Ivey. I just don't think that's realistic that we can get it without... Um, without gutting, I suppose, or giving away a key piece that was really helpful in our uh, in our run this year. Uh, for me, I want Dyson Daniels. I think he's exciting. I think his jump shot isn't as bad as perhaps the numbers showed in the G League. He said himself he came into that and had to adjust to from playing system basketball that like we play in, in Australia to, to playing, uh, I suppose, more an NBA style. His ability to pass is great. He can rebound. He is a defensive monster as well. He loves defense. It's where he prides himself. And he's Australian, so I'm biased as. But um, <laughs> what does anyone else think um, about the, uh, the uh, that eighth pick at, uh, for the Pelicans? Any thoughts? Brad, you're from, uh, from New Orleans. What do you think? I definitely have seen where people have been talking about the potential of uh, Herb Jones and Daniels, and that is intriguing. But I know for me, uh, three-point shooting, I mean, I know we have three-point shooting in Trey Murphy there, uh, which was a great – I thought it was a great pick last year uh, when we got him. Um, I know some names have been floating around there. I know A.J. Griffin has been there being a 44% three-point shooter from Duke uh, just to help space the floor with a lot of people who, you know, can ball handle there. And, I mean – his name, this guy's name, you know, kind of floats. I know a, a point guard was still trying to figure out who is going to be the guy. I don't think uh, GTA is a starting point guard. I think he's definitely more of a backup point guard there. But um, maybe now, depending on defense, uh, I think Ty Ty Washington could be a decent pick there as well if you're trying to find a guard to kind of corral it all, the, all together. Um, but I think he needs to continue to get better on the ball. He's more an off-the-ball type player, which we have some people who can ball handle there. So, I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, what they want or or if they're going to keep that pick, uh, which is the same situation as Atlanta is in. But I think 
if you're going to address a direct need, I think AJ Griffin there at eight is probably the best pick there at eight for the uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Fly Pelicans, fly baby. Yeah, too right, and um, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see because there's also been talk that perhaps we we try to trade off like a Devonte Graham with that pick and, and move down a little bit. Um, I don't know whether that happens. Um, obviously, there's a, a number of small guards at the Pelicans now with um with CJ McCollum joining the team and then Jose proving that he can play. Kyra Lewis Jr. coming back from uh, knee injury and um. Then you, then you add Devontae, and one of them's got to be the odd man out, unfortunately, as much as I like uh, Devontae as a, as a bloke. I think he's uh, been a really good character for the uh, for the team, but his jump shot sort of disappeared despite winning two games off his own hand throughout the season. So I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, pick nine, the Spurs. Well, loud, loud. Let me say. Yeah, I, go I, I, I agree with you on Dyson Daniels. I think he'll be a perfect yeah. – uh, player for the Pelicans. I think he can play point guard for you guys and come in and take over as a starting role. And I think he's kind of in the same vein as Josh Giddy, but a little bit better offensively. And I think he will be great for you guys. If he falls to eight, I definitely think you should take Dyson Daniels. I like I like Daniels as well there. Um, also, Ben Matherin too, I think would be fun in New Orleans. I don't know how you guys feel about the fit there, but Dyson Daniels to me fits very well. But I think Ben Matherin maybe has the most upside of any of the three or four guys we talked about here at number eight. Um, and I think, you know, him and BI, that could be a, a scoring duo that can really fill it up. And I think Ben Matherin has a lot of room to grow outside of just scoring as well. I don't think we saw like him as a complete ball handler, like creating for others and his defense. I think he has room to improve as well. And I think he will improve. So I don't know how that sounds to you, Lyle. Ben Matherin at number eight. I think that would be a, that would be pretty sweet for you guys. Yeah, we all have somebody different, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't have any any thoughts on that one. No, I mean, I'm, I I got a player. I I think you guys have filled out enough like actual good fits here that my guy can rest. So no, no, we're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Did you switch to that Sun shirt, by the way? Oh, you already know. I'm a Sun's <laughs> like. No, I'm like, listen, this happened to the shirt. I'm in Arizona. These are a dime a dozen at Goodwill. In fact, probably where I got this from. Sorry. There's so many Sun shirts on the market after the way they collapsed. But, you know, anyways. Um, but no, I'm with you. No, AJ Griffin, I like as a fit here. Um, I, I think Dyson Daniels would be good as well. I guess my one thing is that if you're the Pelicans, I think you want more shooting. You know what I mean? Dyson Daniels can be a better shooter. Like, yeah, there's room there. But, like, you have a clear need right now to, to maybe – vault you another level maybe instead of you know fighting the play-in you're a number six seed you know with more spacing around zion um brandon ingram cj mccullum so if you get another guy who can space the floor and aj griffin has proven that both in college and high school as well as someone who can definitely shoot the ball you know then you have something there and i think he gives an upgrade over not that it's the same position at all but over Devontae graham in the sense you get additional size you know so i would probably go that way i think that if you go with dyson daniels more the upside play and that's great Definitely room for that. But if you're trying to say, okay, we got the core of this team. Zion's up for an extension coming up here soon. Let's really try to stabilize where we can go with this core while CJ's still productive in his early 30s. I think you want to get that shooting in now and just capitalize on that. So I like AJ Griffin personally. Some defensive concerns, but, you know, I think with the offense you have there and the stronger defensive players you have surrounding him at times with, you know, Jose Alvarado, with, of course, Herb Jones, um, that you can somewhat mitigate that. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, Lyle, is shooting, in your opinion, more of a need for New Orleans at this point or perimeter defense, which is both 
things that do need to be addressed to take the next step forward? Look, it's it's tricky because I think both things need to be addressed. I think the issue is is the starting lineup is going to be CJ, BI, Herb, uh, Zion, and and JV or Jonas Valanciunas. I, th- I mean, from that, it's an offensive juggernaut as to whether there's the defensive uh, issues. Well, Brandon or B.I. took a um, a real step this year in terms of getting stronger and being able to defend, which I think was fantastic for him. And as a leader, I think he needed to do it. It's going to be those mix and mashes, I suppose, of guys coming off the bench that you can plug and play into those mixed lineups. I think the starting lineup settled. It's going to be guys that can come in and contribute. So... I think Trey Murphy's going to take another step. He's already back uh, in New Orleans working out. He, he's looking fantastic. And if he can capture that end-of-year uh, play that he had, uh, particularly in the playoffs and play-in, I mean, he was huge for us. And considering he was having at a wicked summer league, dropped right off his confidence with his shot was was questionable purely because it was coming off too slow. He worked his absolute behind off to improve that and all of a sudden was a, a key contributor. I mean, in some of the games... Uh, what was it? One of the playing games. I think he was unbelievable. I know in one of the Lakers games down the stretch, he was, he was massive as well and had him in uh, all sorts. Uh, And, you know, I think he can take another step defensively as well. So I'm almost leaning towards taking the best player available. I think it doesn't really matter because they're going to have to earn their way into the rotation. The rotation itself is probably already settled um, depending on how good this kid coming in is. Otherwise, um, yeah, I guess you can you can never have enough shooting, I think, because guys are going to have off nights. And if you can plug and play another guy that can shoot, I mean, every, you can you can teach guys to defend. I mean, de- defense comes down to mentality and um, and I suppose desire to do so. You can you can be slack on that end, or you can buy in. And I think the way Willie Green's got this team running at the moment, uh, we really have a situation where you either buy in or you sit on the pine and he's, he wants us to defend. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what way they go, whether you go down that defensive route and say, all right, Fred Vinson, this is your project for this year, fix it. Um, or you go, uh, we've got a good shooter. Now this bloke's got to have to work with Corey Brewer and, and guys like that. Um, you know, Jaron Collins to work on that, um, that defensive side of the ball. So I don't know, watch your space, I guess. Um, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. No doubt. Uh, Whoever we don't take, uh, the next pick at the Spurs, uh, pick nine, are probably going to jump on. What are your thoughts, uh, Will, on um, on pick nine? It's a it's a tough spot, I reckon. The end of that uh, top ten, I guess. It is a tough spot, and you know, Spurs they're pretty loaded at the guard position. Uh, so in my position, my feelings on the Spurs, I think they're going to take a reach again, like they did last year with Josh Primo. And I like the big man from Arkansas, Jalen Williams, 6'10", big man, 20-year-old sophomore. I think he's a versatile big man, great passer. His best trait might be passing, and he's a great shooter. Um, I'm not going to say that he's going to be Jokic, but he he has some Jokic-like tendencies in there. So watch out for the Spurs looking at Jalen Williams. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fantastic. And, I mean, if he can pass the ball – that's a huge thing for the Spurs, especially when they play in that off uh, in that system offense where they rely on the big men to pass. 
Golden, what do you think? I, I got some Corbin. Loud, loud. You know, Will is giving you plenty of sound bites, man. You want some promos? We got, we man, got, I'm... we got Nickel Jokic reference over here. We got some hot takes. I love it. Well, this is. I'm just giving you a shout. I'm not familiar with them, so I'm not even. I'm not even messing around right now. Like I'm just saying, there's some gold here. Um, no, yeah, I mean, Corbin. listen. You look at what the team needs. Will obviously has looked at this player. I mean, you're right. Like the Spurs would like a player that way. Look at the big position. Look at Yaka Pertle and his free agency kind of coming up here whether the Spurs are going to re, you know, reinvest in him or whether they are going to go more with the youth movement. They have a plethora of guys, like Will said, at the guard and wing spot. So nice to solidify that big position. And if you do it with the passer, you know, with elements of Jokic there, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Jakob Pertl, but that's a totally different level when it comes to moving the rock and with the younger players. So, um, no, nothing there. I just thought I was a hot – you know, I love, I love the heat. That's all I'm saying. So it's good, except my food. He's just got to hit one. He's just got to hit on one, and all of a sudden, you know. That's it. That's it. Get him over the ES. Get him. Yes, yes. I'm telling you. Absolutely. And it oh, happened hey, here. Hey, I called Scotty Barnes Giannis last year. So huh? don't forget that. I called Scotty Barnes Giannis last yeah, year. Yeah, you you know what you did. You did. And I thought you were tripping, but now you're right. Like, yeah, you you wanted you something, Will. I'm not even making fun of it, bro. I'm with it. No, honestly, as far as reaches are concerned, that's a terrific reach, I think, in my opinion, for the Spurs. Jalen Williams is one of my favorite more under the radar, uh, under the radar, you know, prospects in this draft. Um, so I'm with it. I'm with it. I love the Jokic comparison, but seriously, I do love him as a prospect though. He's, he's going to be good. And not a lot of people are talking about him. They're talking about guys like Walker Kessler and Coloco instead of him. For me, I'm taking him all day over those two guys. And I'll tell you one thing, Jalen Williams ain't getting dunked on like Yoko Perto either. I'm just going to throw that out there. John Moran don't want to see Jalen, Jalen Williams in the post. He does not. He, that, that man's a ball player. I've watched several ball games of him being in the SEC. He is going to be a great guy to fit in your system. And and depending on the system that you – I think regardless of the system, he's going to flourish. But a, a true system like San Antonio, I, I think truly the sky is the limit there. Wow. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's the take on that. And, um, I mean, it sounds like the Spurs are getting a real uh, a real steal there, Um. At uh, at pick nine, particularly given they have such a um a depth on the on the in the wing positions and um in the guards after they shipped out Derek White, of course, the Celtics. But it's um it's going to be really interesting. I mean, this top ten, it sounds like it's a it's a moving beast, and it's going to come down to who picks who on the night. I think as to where people actually fall in that um in their selection, which I mean, I don't think we've had a draft quite like that for a while. Maybe there was a few, but not the entire top 10. I mean, the top three is not settled. The top 10 is just like, I don't know, maybe even top 14, I guess, could be a, a number of guys. Um, pick 10 to the Wizards. Uh, disappointing year, I think, after a bit of a hot start and then injuries as per. Um, they're looking to to capitalize on that top 10 pick, get someone, I suppose, that can contribute if they don't ship it out and try to give Brad Beal a bit of a... Uh, um, I don't know, a running mate, I guess, besides, well, besides Porzingis. I don't know what what's left in him, but we'll see. Um, Will, what do you think? A pick 10 for the Wizards? I would love if, if Dyson Daniels was still on the board. This would be my favorite spot for him probably because I think the Wizards desperately need a point guard. Um, but if he's not on the board, um, my second choice would have been A.J. Griffin, and y'all already talked about him as well. So at that point, they just need to take the best player on the board. And that's either Benedict Matherin or Malachi Branham. 
And those are the guys I love. So what do you think, Corbin? Go ahead. Let me hear I'm, it. I'm sorry. No, I, I waited. I waited long enough. When are we going to bring up Johnny Davis up in here? Like, uh, like I'm sorry. When you said Malachi Branham, like, Mike, there's been a big Johnny Davis, Malachi Branham, like, debate. I, I feel like I feel like uh, Kanye. I'm not trying to take away from uh, Taylor Swift here, but, like, let's talk about Beyonce. All right? Well, real quick, <laughs> I'm trying to say, like, Johnny Davis has shown, like, big time in his sophomore year, stepping up, someone who could manufacture tough shots reliably. Mind you, Malachi Branham came on strong, you know, in the second half of the year. But let's not forget who was really riding that wave until he got injured, you know, come the NCAA tournament, and that was Davis. I'm thinking, one, you know, if you're the Wizards, like you have to ask yourself are we really trying to commit you know the super max to bradley beal a guy who shot you know barely over 30 percent from three the last couple seasons a guy who's averaged barely over 60 games a season the last couple seasons can't really play we tried john wall the last bit of john wall we tried russell westbrook we tried spencer dinwiddie three different point guards all just relative failure regardless right but he's not the best on ball either so you have to wonder if like you're ready to commit your future to a Bradley Beal who's, what, going to be 29, 30, 31 through 33? Like, that's your first question. But I, I'm with you, Willie, and I, I'm not even trying to knock – Matherin and Brandon would be great picks. I just think you have the upside of someone in a Johnny Davis who has reliably, like, made shots. And I think you give him more weapons with a guy like a Rui Hachimura, with a guy like a Denny Avija who have had some ball pa- – like, some passing chops who could probably play through more on the offensive end and really unlock some more scoring – for Johnny Davis. Um, that being said, all of those picks, especially um, Dyson Daniels, would be a great fit there. But I really think like John Davis would be that one guy I would like either alongside Beal because at this rate, you might as well just put Beal on the ball because everyone you try to play alongside him just isn't working out. But if he's going to leave, when you got a lot of forwards already, uh, well, I didn't even mention Kyle Kuzma alongside the other two Wizards forwards who kind of need to handle the rock a little bit. So at that rate, might as well give him a combo guard who can at least create a little bit. He didn't have the best assist numbers, but, like, some of his passing was sound. And see where that goes. I, I'm really uh, – I'm the biggest Johnny Davis fan there, but I, I said to myself, he got top 10, I'd have to grab the mic. I'm sorry. So that's why I just want to lobby. I want to I I plead with y'all to consider Johnny Davis at 10. <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad pick. You know, I just like Malachi a little bit better. Malachi you. Branham reminds me of a young Ray Allen. So Okay. That, that just lights my eyes up. But I definitely love uh, Johnny Davis as well. Mm-hmm. And he shot 30% from three this last year. That's True. just what scared me a little bit. So it, it's really close. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of these shooting guards like Johnny Davis, uh, you know, Malachi Branham, A.J. Griffin, they're all 1A, 1B, 1C. So it's not a gap like that. But I get you what you mean. Way. For sure, bro. <laughs> man, don't, don't tell me you like Johnny Davis because you saw him in a Taco Bell commercial. Man. Oh, that, that sealed the deal. <laughs> Bradley, that's the boy. You know, that, that was my head. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I like I like Johnny Davis as a prospect too, uh, but I think I'm more with Will. I do like Malachi Branham. To me, he said Ray Allen. I see more Chris Middleton in his game, real polished score. I think he can be um, – I think he can be a 50, 40, 90 guy at some point in this league, uh, Bradham. So, but I mean, if you're looking for upside and playmaking a, a, a along that, I think Johnny is going to provide a little bit more playmaking early on than Branham. I think it will take some time for him to, you know, settle in into his role in the NBA there. But I mean, you got to try something with the Wizards. You might as well try Johnny Davis there. I mean, I, I, I agree with you there, Corbin. Yeah, Corbin, I just want to say you said you were the biggest Johnny Davis fan in here. 
once upon a time on Twitter, my Twitter name was Johnny Davis Stan. So, you know, I might have an argument oh, for myself. Oh, you know here. what? I, I take a step back on that, sir. You're right. I never – last stand I was with Russell Westbrook. We saw that worked out. So, <laughs> no, listen, I like Johnny Davis a lot here. I also like Malachi Branham, honestly. That's a really hard question for me because, listen, if Malachi can improve his, like, pull-up shooting to three-point, like, to three-point distance as opposed to just mid-range, I don't really – know that it's like uh, really that long of a conversation for me just because pull-up shooting is like, you know, can get you very far in the NBA. And uh, Brandon is an elite mid-range pull-up guy. So if he can, an elite catch-and-shoot three-point guy. So if he can, you know, bring that out to three, I think he has a very high ceiling. Uh, but once again, I'm with Will here. Dyson Daniels, if he's there, that's perfect for Washington. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the pull-up threes, well, you live and die by him trying to get into the NBA finals. If, if we uh, we reference Jimmy Butler, but um, <laughs> ooh, maybe too soon, not for the Celtics. <laughs> um, sorry to all the Heat fans out there. Um, Luca, while we got you, number 11, the Knicks uh, division, I don't know, I'm not going to say rival, but uh, <laughs> to the Celtics. Um, who do you think the Knicks do? Well, what do they do with that pick? You know, they're trying to get Zion still, and they can just go away. Like, the Knicks, come on. Anyway, what do you think the Knicks are going to do? Well, listen, honestly, I'm going to say his name again, even though he said it a bunch of times. You know, Dyson Daniels, another team that it's just a perfect fit for. They need playmaking. They need defense. They just need, like, a cerebral player who's going to make the right play. Uh, he is perfect for them. You know, I don't love the the point guards, you know, outside of him really at this stage, like, you know, a guy like Ty Ty or, you know, I, I would prefer Kennedy Chandler probably to him. Uh, you know, I would say Dyson Daniels here, but, you know, he's probably going to be long gone by 11. I think they'll consider Ochai Ogbaji, you know, from Kansas. But uh, honestly, I'll toss this one to the floor because I like have a soft spot for the Knicks kind of because my dad grew up a Knicks fan. Um, so I'm praying that Dyson Daniels is going to be there, but, uh, if anyone else has any other, uh, any other suggestions, listen, I, I'm, I'm free to hear him. I mean, well, I'll say, mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead. Corey. No, no, well, no, no, you, you, you first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have a mock to take Malachi Brandon, but we just talked about him. So either him, Johnny Davis, like we just talked about, but if they yeah. don't go the shooting guard route, I think they can go with the Jalen Duran, Mark Williams debate because it's not sure whether they're going to bring back Mitchell Robinson. So whichever one of those they prefer. We haven't talked about the big men yet. Is there one that you guys would prefer over the other? I like Mark Williams better, but most people like Duran better. It's a, that's a 50-50 for me, honestly. That's It's pretty close. I probably lean Duran just a tad bit, but I, I can totally understand the Mark Williams point as well. Mm-hmm. I was also going to say the same. I like Duran as well. Um, I like Williams too. I think that Duran, you're looking more the upside. The dude's built like a 25, 20. He's like a tank and he's 18. Like you give that guy, you know, some development at the NBA level, you know, a proper weight training program at the NBA level. And who knows what kind of monster you might have there, you know, especially since he's shown a lot more um, passing chops than we've seen from Williams there. Even Flash, as wonky as it is, he flashed a little bit of a jumper, you know, get somebody who can actually shoot. You're not going to get, uh, no, um, the Pelicans shooting coach there, but at least someone who I think can help him out a little bit. And I think the upside is great. With that being said, I, I like, and this is a little, maybe a little bit taken early. We talked about before slightly. I like Ty Ty Washington. Um, I think you got another like water bug quick guard who plays to his strengths, which to him is the mid range and get to the basket. Um, really, you just need somebody who can 
literally just bring the ball up the floor for New York, get it to their guys, and play to their strengths and be healthy, you know, at that rate. So if you can't get those higher swing um, point guard, if you can't get, like, you know, uh, find a point guard in a trade, go for Jalen Brunson in free agency. That stuff doesn't work out. At least you can get one, you know, relatively high where as a big, you know, yeah, Jalen Dern will be nice. You know, Mark Williams will be nice, but you can find – you know, uh, a guy that finished above the rim and, you know, like a Nerlens Noel type player and not swing your team one way or the other and just adequately play a position alongside Julius Randle. So I think if you're looking for that upside um, at a more of a position of need, maybe point guards where you go, and if Taita Washington is still around there, uh, which he more than likely will be, there could be worse picks. The b- backcourt of Ty time quickly scares the heck Ooh, out of me. Oh that, in a bad way. Uh, no, not, not in a good Ooh, way. Okay, I, that's not I good like then. Them individually as players but oh i would love together. the speed defensively now nah, you're right That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm not even gonna pretend to argue that yeah yeah no okay i see what you mean i would be scared facing that team in transition but it'd be like a much smaller version of what we saw with the rockets backcourt this year with um, porter jr yelling green like when they bring the ball up it could be amazing it'd be horrible we don't know but if we're bringing the ball down your throat oh it's gonna be scores so i'm with you on that I picture defense when you mentioned that. I picture the face of Drake in that music video uh, where he was guarding. <laughs> to- <laughs> I see it. <laughs> that, that, that's all I picture. But it really depends on what they do. Like you alluded to, Corbin, trade free agency. And I think you go big, and I think it's between Duran and Williams. And I'm a, I'm a Williams guy personally. Um, I just like his wingspan, him being 7'2 with a 7'7 wingspan. I think he's going to be an elite shot blocker. And I just, like like Will said, we don't know if um, Rob Robinson is going to be on that team much longer. If you're going to move on from him, you might as well replace him with someone who is not going to, you know, necessarily break the bank if you're the Knicks to have more money for other free agents who want to come to New York. But that's just me personally. I think they go big there and try to find a guard free agency or trade. Yeah, well, I I completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do there. And I mean, who knows? They're going to do whatever the Knicks plan on doing. And the media is going to spin it so that they end up with LeBron and Kevin and everyone. It doesn't matter. They're going to have everyone and until we actually see them on the floor. But I think that leaves us with a good time to cut to an ad break. Uh, We'll be back after this to keep going in the... Well, I suppose the late second half of the lottery and uh, any roughies and the like. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back after this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. 
It's I Lyle joined by the sport oh, well, the sports ethos Avengers. We've got Will, Brad, Corbin, Luca. Guys, we've been flying through this uh this first 10. And I think there's been no consensus as to uh, you know, maybe a few picks, but otherwise it's it's a moving beast. And I don't think we're gonna know until the 23rd of June when the draft kicks off. That brings us to our next pick. We finished with the Knicks. Still no consensus. Who knows what's going on there? Um, I don't even think they will. And, uh, you know, good luck to them. Uh, maybe I'm a bit salty about the Knicks and all that Zion slander. But anyway, uh, pick 12 is the OKC. They've come back around. Their second uh, lottery pick in there. There's a few names floated around. Um, I'm going to throw to Corbin to kick us off with pick 12 because, again, I, I don't know, does that fall in that same range as the guys we've just talked about? Or, or um, does it change a little bit? Is there someone else you're looking at? No, no, I think it does fall in that range. This is where I would like uh, Duran, uh, Mark Williams, one of those two guys there in OKC, fulfill the additional length. Again, the spots of need for the Thunder, you know, especially a big moving forward, um, one of those big forwards. If not that, uh, you know, a, a player who's kind of slipped that I think will be interesting here will be Atari Eason. Um, I do like what he brings to the table from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, the jumper, you know, still got some work to do there. But in transition, I mean, the dude did average 16 points to six rebounds a game. Uh, he knows how to play within his strengths. Defensively, he's dominant. Um, his wingspan, his strength is really, really good there. And the offense is interesting. You know, he's best in transition. You know, running alongside from the lane with Josh Giddy, who you know will find him with a Shea Gill, just Alexander, or whoever they pick at number two, whether that's, you know, Jabari, Chet, bringing the ball up, whatever the case may be there. Um, really good as far as slashing to the basket. And as far as the shooting, you know, it, it's he hits his free throws. You could expect, you know, an uptick in three-point shooting. If he gets between, like, 34 and 37% from three, that'd be great there. But I think that's good value for a guy as a ball-hawking forward um, to kind of build alongside OKC. And I even mentioned the fit with him and Dort defensively. I mean, that's like the opposite of what Lucas said of the, of the potential Knicks backcourt I had with uh, with Ty Ty and, uh, and my other guy over there. So, yeah, that, that would be an interesting pick. I would probably lean toward Tor- Torrey Eason as a value play there. Honestly, I was thinking the same thing, and I would love to hear Brad's thoughts. He said he was the Tigers fan, so I just would love to hear what Brad thinks about yes, that. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Y'all didn't let me come on here and talk about Tari Eason. Y'all didn't let me come on here and talk about Tari Eason. Well, as a LSU fan who's watched a lot of his games, I mean, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be – his comp that I've seen is OG Ananobi and Marcus Morris, which are good comps. I don't think he'll be necessarily a star, but he's going to be a guy, if he can continue to clean up his shot mechanics – and improve from uh, three-point range, he adds immediate value defensively. I mean, I think his defensive rating in college basketball last year was 83.2, which is elite. And his offensive rating was 119.2. So the man knows how to score. He has a knack for scoring, especially around the rim and finishing in traffic. He can ball handle pretty well. He can play either forward position, guard multiple positions. I just think that whoever gets him, he's going to be an absolute steal. I love him in Atlanta. I think we need to go more guard at our pick in Atlanta. But Tara Easton is going to be a guy that is going to be really fun to watch, um, especially seeing his, his development in the right system for the next few years to come. I agree. I have him mocked there as well, so I think that's a great pick. But I also think Corbin made a great point. Because they, if they are taking Chet at two, 
at 12, they still need another center to go along with Chet because he's not ready yet. So if they were to take Duran or Williams, that would be an incredible pick too. And I hadn't thought about that. So that's a great point, Corbin, if Tari's gone. And this is my uh, my obligatory NBA. I got to bring him up since he's in the NBL loud, right? So <laughs> Usman Dieng Zhang, I'm not sure how to say his last name, honestly. But uh, I think if you take Chet at two, then you take another player very similar as far as like the physical mold, right? Very lanky, long and skinny. And that's just another crazy upside play that I could totally see Sam Presti doing at 12. Um, not necessarily the pick that I would make. I think I definitely lie more with Eason, you know, because he brings more right away. But no question, Jang has a very high ceiling. So I don't know how much NBL you watch, Lyle, but what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on Dang? I mean, it's I've had these. I've been asked this question a bit because obviously being an Australian, I was a member of the Wildcats this year, so went to all of their games, and uh, that's my local Perth team, and um, unfortunately missed the playoffs for the first time in 36 years, which um, was uh, not great. Um, so we're going to watch this space anyway, and how they rebuild. But I digress. Uh, Usman Deng, I saw a bit of him and, and looked a bit more uh, at him post. Um, uh, the season, I guess, and watched his highlights and the like. And when he played against us, he, he wasn't anything special, honestly. I He looked a bit out of his depth. Uh, again, he's a kid playing against fully grown men and in a system at the uh, New Zealand Breakers that probably wasn't as conducive as hit to his success. Um, obviously, the court's FIBA size, so it's smaller than the NBA court. And we've seen guys jump from the NBL to the NBA and look, so much better. I mean, Josh Giddy was a perfect example. I mean, he was he was good in, in the NBL, but he was nothing like what he was in the NBA, and um, that was a, a huge improvement. Um, he's got all the tools, and that's something that I don't know if you can say about a lot of the guys in that uh, I suppose 10 to 15 range. He can do a bit of everything. He can shoot it. He's got the length um, as to whether or not he has the motor and the strength. He's very long and, and wiry, but maybe not as much muscle, again, you can get a guy in a gym and get him stronger. Um, he's a big question mark. And in, in a roundabout way, I don't know where he falls. I mean, you could take him here or you could take him at, at pick 35 or, or higher. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think that the upside potential in his age and, uh, and the like, I think, is what is keeping him where he is. Uh, and I don't know how he's been going in any of these uh, workouts or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be it'd be a perfect OKC pick, honestly. I think if he went there, uh, they've got the place, the pieces, and in, in place to develop him, and he's the, the time and opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm I'm if it's an NBL guy, I'm I'm high on him, but I, it's a question mark for Deng. I, I tell you what. Yeah, watching his games from the beginning of the year as opposed to the end, it was like watching a different player. Honestly, yeah, I mean, the last the last few games of the season, I mean, he really put it together. So. I like him, but I, I agree. He's a, he's a giant question mark. Yeah, that brings us to pick four. Well, what the pick 13 uh, is what I was going to say. Uh, and that is, that's the Hornets, is it? They've got pick 13? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Will, North Carolina. What do you think? It's uh, at the, uh, the 13th pick. This is where I have a big man coming off the board. I have the Hornets taking Mark Williams, center from Duke, seven foot tall, uh, seven foot seven wingspan, nine foot nine standing reach. I mean, the 
Hornets need a big man. We've needed one for about five, ten years now. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> crazy. So, I mean, really, any center at this point will do. Uh, but I would love to have Mark Williams or Duran. Uh, but Mark Williams, I think he can run the floor. He can. He's a great uh, alley oop target. Great block shot blocker. Uh, shoots well at the free throw line, seventy five percent. Great defender. I think he'll play well with Lamelo. And that's the pick I got. Who? What do you guys think? I mean, you said any center will do. What if we, like, you know, sign and trade Dwight Howard, we get LaMelo, work for both sides, right? I'm oh just God. kidding. <laughs> the little Laker fan out. Hey, okay, we I'm had not. Dwight Howard a couple of years ago, and we gave him away. <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to be the most delusional shit I can think of when you said that. Right? So you're saying there's a chance. No, I'm playing. Yeah, it'd be, that's a nice fit. I do like that. I think that, obviously, the glare need for a center, we've seen it all around from the trade deadline. You know, last offseason, it's been like, how are they going to get a big? And they've somehow neglected, oh, Plumlee brother will do the trick. With, with that never having been the answer or the phrase that anyone's ever said. So, I mean, with that being said, yeah, maybe you draft a guy, you put that and nip that in the bud and move on, and you have someone who can grow with this team, but also is old enough to kind of know his role and be that guy. Okay, catch lobs, defend the basket. Done. I think that would be a wonderful fit next to LaMelo Ball, just that transition game that Charlotte likes to run, um, and obviously adding some defensive pr- uh, presence there. As someone who sees the Hornets four times a year, um, it's like barbecue chicken when I see P.J. Washington at the five. So it'd be <laughs> nice to see someone um, a little bit bigger there uh, in the paint uh, to command more of a presence there. Because, um, I mean, P.J. has obviously done an admirable job at that position. Definitely more of a four, um, but his ability to stress the floor. So I, I like Mark Williams there at um, that pick for the Hornets. No, well, well, I think you said it best, man. It's just a perfect fit. Him or your guy, Jalen Williams, I think. Either of those guys would love going to love going to Charlotte. Definitely. It's going to be interesting to see how they go. And, um, I mean, haven't had a consistent big man, I suppose, since Big Al Jefferson. And uh, I've got his signed basketball up there. One of them is Big Al because I was such a big fan of him. But, anyway, um, I digress. I just wanted to point out that uh, – I love Big Al, and uh, to see a big man at uh, at the Hornets, I think is exactly what they need. The way they run, um, getting up and down the court, that seems to be the missing piece to get that uh, true big man there to to fill it out. I think they're an exciting side, and um, are going to make some real noise next year um, if they can bring it all together. Uh, that brings us to the Hawks. Brad, take it away uh, with pick 14. Is that what we're up to? Yeah. We skipped the Cavs and somebody else because the Hawks are 16. Oh, <laughs> no, I've got my numbers around the wrong way. Um, yeah, so, well, let's go to the Cavs then. <laughs> What's that, 14? 14. 14. Mm. All right. Let's do that. <laughs> Cavs at 14. I mean, we already mentioned uh, Griffin from Duke. If he does fall that far, uh, added some shooting there for the Cavs would be – Great, because obviously their front court is pretty ironclad. They have a lot of bodies there. Uh, so anything, any help they can get from the forward position, the wing specifically, um, I like. Um, and the name is escaping me. Wow. Um, Okoro. I like Okoro, uh, especially when he can do defensively and his ability to hit that corner three, kind of be that P.J. Tucker, uh, Swiss Army knife type guy. But if you want more consistent shooting at that position, whether – it's night to night, you switch in Okoro or you're switching in Griffin in the starting lineup. 
Uh, Griffin would be a wonderful addition there uh, to stretch the floor and be a catch-and-shoot guy that can easily just catch passes from Garland and just put it up there, 40%. Upper 30 is probably going to, you know, give or take some percentages going into the NBA. Even if you're upper 30% uh, three-point shooter in year one, um, I think that's a steal for them at number 14. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see there. I mean, the Cavs, another team that it looked like they were going to make the playoffs and then sort of stumbled out the gates towards the end. And, um, I mean, exciting young side. And, again, the East is stacked. And I, I don't remember the last time that the East has been quite as stacked as it, as it currently is. And, um, you know, right through from fifth through to about, I don't know, 13th could all probably be contending for that uh, play-in slash eight, nine, ten spot. Uh, slash six, seven. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. And that brings us back to pick 15. Now that I've sorted my list out, because I don't know what happened to it before, but it was missing numbers. Apologies for that. Uh, Will, that, that circles us right back. That's uh, pick 15. What do you think's going there? Are they keeping both of these lottery picks? Well, they don't really need to at this point. Uh, you know, Miles Bridges could be on the move if we don't pay him. Uh, so, I mean, you really would kind of be taking fit here. Um, and I think Kendall Brown would be a good selection. You know, he's super athletic, uh, small forward slash power forward. You know, he's a good three-point shooter. And, I mean, he's probably the best leaper in this draft. So, I mean, you kind of be replacing Miles Bridges with a Miles Bridges light with potential to get better, you know. And um, so I think the Hornets could go there, but it's really no need for this pick. <laughs> so if you wanted to trade it, that would be great as well. And for 14 for the Cavs, that is where I had Corbin's guy, Johnny Davis, going. I just had to mention that for Corbin, so he'd be all right. <laughs> appreciate that. appreciate that, sir. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a really good pick there, too. I, I, I like that fit as Y'all well. Y'all like Kendall Brown? Kendall's nice. I like his attributes. I think he's a decent fit. Absolutely. I love him and Sohan are two of my favorites in the draft, man. Their defense is awesome. It's going to be interesting um, to see how it all plays out. And, I mean, at that spot, I mean, high risk, high reward, isn't it? Do you shoot for the fences or do you move it on and try to get some more pieces that contribute? Who knows? It's going to be interesting. Now we circle back to pick 16, the Hawks stack side. Again, another underperforming uh, underperformance, I suppose, this year after coming to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, uh, yeah, last year, and then, well, it all sort of just didn't come together. Brad, what, what's happening with this pick, and what are the Hawks going to do with it? Are they are they blowing it up? Can they give us a um, red velvet? Thanks. Um, I definitely think some players are going to be on the move. Uh, I've heard Hunter thrown out there. Uh, Bogdanovich, because of his contract, is pretty friendly. Gallinari has been put in there as well. And even John Collins, who just got a contract, uh, all very friendly co- uh, contracts that can be easily moved along with this 16th pick. If it is packaged, I think it would be some value there here, but we're going to, I'm going to operate for the sake of this program as if we keep this pick. And because this guy has been mentioned and <laughs> if no one has picked him yet, I think, this is where Obaji from Kansas goes. I think if we keep that pick, I think Obaji at 16, you need to come on down to the A and uh, enjoy some lemon. Lou Will's about to be out the door. Go ahead, get you some, get you some lemon pepper wings down here in Magic City. Uh, pull up the State Farm Arena 
And we just need that second guy next to Trey, a guy who can shoot three, who is really good on the defensive end, active hands. He has the size. He has the wingspan that we like to see. I think he's an upgrade as far as defensively, for sure, for Bogey. I like Bogey off the bench. And if we do have to trade Herter or somebody else, I mean, I think Obaji would be a wonderful fit to be a 3 and D guy, a true 3 and D guy. Hell, even if we move on from DeAndre Hunter. Uh, I think he would be a little bit more of an explosive athlete, um, four-year player, and some people are kind of afraid of that. I love four-year players because they know who they are. They're going to play within the offense, and they're not going to – like look at Desmond Bain playing multiple years and how seamless he came onto the scene in, in Memphis, who I was high on coming into the draft when he came out. Um, I think he can have a similar type impact. Not necessarily an all-star type guy. I mean, he could – prove us wrong i think he definitely has as far as people in that range um especially at the guard position i think he has potentially the highest ceiling um so i i like it will nate mcmillan play him who knows i don't know stop asking me stop asking me my dms if he's gonna, if he's gonna play the rookies but if he does play a rookie this is the guy right here i like it i like it. i think that's a solid pick and as somebody who has slid, you know, whether it's because of the age kind of concern that you always get around draft for these guys, but he's been solid, reliable. If anything, he's been punished for kind of lasting longer than tournament. So um, in a funny way, that I think it's a good fit for him. And yeah, I'm with you. Uh, also, stop asking Brad that question. He doesn't have the answer for you. You said it already. <laughs> please stop. Please stop. I mean, the only question marks that I've seen, because I've done a lot of research on him because I like him, has been his IQ and motor. Uh, sometimes, I mean, when you're playing on a really talented team like you have at Kansas and Duke, and we've seen this from some of the prospects coming out of those blue chip programs, that sometimes it kind of gets lost in translation or, hey, man, we know he can do this, he can do that. I can kind of take a play off or not. Uh, so that's only the, if, if that is the only thing that we're questioning, then I, I'm fine with taking him. I'm fine with taking him on our team. It's going to be interesting, and it's going to, um, I mean, just ask Brad and his DMs whether or not they're going to play the rookies. I mean, he's just said it. You can you can do it. Uh, so, so make sure you do that. And, um, yeah, we'll get him to tell you all his handle in a bit. Um, guys, so I think that's probably the, the top 16-odd spots that we've got through. And uh, the next sort of remainder of the first round, I guess, is probably a bit of subject to conjecture at this point. You know, it could be, who knows, guys will pick on need and trades will start happening and the like. Who are the guys? Who's a guy that um, that we haven't spoken about that you're high on and think could have an impact in the NBA next year or down the track? Um, Luca, what do you think? I'm a big fan of a uh, uh, player from Santa Clara, actually, also named Jalen Williams. Um, you know, he's six six. You know, he's a ball handler. He's not an explosive athlete, but he's a pretty good scorer. And I think that if he improves, you know, his biggest, biggest weaknesses, which are, you know, to me would be his, his lateral ability to move because he's going to have to guard in the NBA hundred percent. I think he's actually going to be a little more of a higher, uh, higher floor player, you know, and I honestly would consider him if I was the Cavaliers or even the Hawks there. Um, you know, he definitely has some things to work on, but you should go watch some Jalen Williams, man. He's one of my, one of my favorite guys and he's not really a sleeper anymore. I don't think. I think his name has kind of risen up on draft boards and, you know, people are kind of talking about him now as like a first round guy, but he was somebody that my friend told me about early into, you know, into the NCAA season. And uh, I'm glad I got to watch him. Corbin, who have you been eyeing off? 
Honestly, it's weird. Once we get here, I I, I think I look at a guy, and he's just my type of guy, but I, I like a Jaden Hardy. I think that he's a guy that is going to slip, and rightfully so, but as a G League Ignite, I think that he's had some um, – there's definitely some upside there that I don't think has been touched. Not the greatest shooter so far just yet, but a lot of that I think considering – the type of play that he is in um, with guys who have been more in the pro system than in college with G League United. I think that there is a way that he can step up. Um, he has a great gravity to the ball in terms of getting to the basket. Uh, I think that he has shown the capability to be a pretty decent passer, um, something that can pick up at the next level. And defensively, like he's not there yet, but I think he has the tools there as well. So someone who you know is going to score on ball, uh, solid enough passing and decent defending, I think is a guy who could probably be good value late uh, in the first round. Brad, who are you looking at? I mean, he's been mentioned, but I really like Kendall Brown. I think Kendall Brown with his size and his wingspan, uh, his ability to play on both ends of the floor and obviously play above the rim. I think that's highly valued in this league to defend and score in transition. Um, I, I, that's someone who the Hawks, a type of player that the Hawks have been missing. In my opinion, someone who's just a true dog who can really be a scary threat in transition. So I would say either him or um, – I mean, you guys already mentioned Jaden Jaden Hardy. I am really curious about to see where uh, Terquavion Smith from NC State goes as well. Um, just with his size, being almost six four, six six wingspan, had a, kind of a breakout year as a freshman. I know. Well, let me time player. out, time out. He just announced today he's going back to college. So, oh, yeah, yeah. that was surprising. Oh, so, yeah. tell me, tell Breaking me. Well, I think that honestly, that's probably going to be the best thing for him. So we're going to go back to Kendall Brown, but I'll probably be the best. <laughs> that'll, be the best that'll be the best thing for him because I think just with with another year, he could potentially pro- propel himself to be a, a top top fifteen, top twelve pick next year, depending on how things go. And Will, what are you? Who are you looking at in that uh, like first round? I guess. Well, a guy that I love that no one ever talks about, you probably have never heard, but Jordan Hall, the 6'8 point forward uh, from St. Joseph's. To me, uh, he's the closest thing you're going to see to Jason Tatum in his class or Kay Cunningham in his class. He averaged 14, 6, and 6 with one steal per game. And I'm at the, I think he can do it all. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a lottery guy, but you don't hear his name anywhere in the first round. So Jordan Hall from St. Joseph's, please look him up. Uh, also, um, it's a lot of guys in this range right here, 15 to 30, all of them could be really good, honestly. Um, but I love Michael Foster too, really talented power forward from the G league ignite. Uh, he should be a top 20 guy, but he's not mentioning really in that area as well. He could be the best power forward in this class. So I love those two guys. It's going to be interesting. And you know, every year that we, we say, why was that? Why didn't that guy go higher? And you know that some talented players out there, and it's just about how it translates to the NBA and the situation that guys end up in, and you know whether or not they put in the hard yards. Or I mean, you know, it, it all comes down to to um, so many variables. It's going to be interesting to see if any of these guys are. Uh, you know, step up and and prove that they probably should have been taken higher. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. And that being said, I mean. The Pelicans last year found a diamond in the rough, so to speak. I mean, pick 35, second-round draft pick, Herb Jones. We just 
moved uh, the the our G League team to Birmingham, the the Birmingham Squadron, and we were picking Alabama guys. And Herb Jones was one of those guys. Uh, all of a sudden, played himself into a starting role about three or four games into the season. And um, you know, are there any other Herb Joneses out there this year in that uh, in that second round? Any sleepers that you um, you've identified? We'll, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, any guys that you've you think could be a sneaky pick in, in that second round? Well, like I said, there's a lot of guys in that 15 to 35 range is probably all very similar. A guy I recently have looked at is Marcus Sasser, point guard from Houston. I mean, he reminds me of Tim Hardaway, the original Tim Hardaway. <laughs> really good uh, point guard. Um, you know, we hadn't talked about – Ryan Rollins, uh, you know, Caleb Houston is a guy probably that I can mention as a late sleeper. He's went to Michigan. He was a top 10 recruit, had a terrible year at Michigan, but he can shoot the lights out. Um, he could be a really the next great shooting, small shooting guard in his league, like Clay Thompson, like, um, so Caleb Houston is a guy be a second round pick for sure. Brad, what do you think? Any, uh, any guys you've got an eye on? Um, since I've watched a lot of SEC basketball, I'm really curious. Um, I haven't seen him. Um, we haven't seen him going back to school yet. Um, Davidson from Alabama. Um, I, I watched him play. Um, can kind of combo guard. Uh, he's known as shooting the ball. I'm really interesting. Really interesting prospect. Um, I, I want to see where he ends up because uh, I do like his game. He can be kind of erratic at times and tries to play a little faster than he needs to, but his athleticism is off the charts. Uh, physically, he's ready for the NBA. And it's just a matter of just, you know, getting in that right system, you know, that's going to let him shoot on, but also, Hey, let's, let's use your physical gifts and let's, let's be, be a good defender at the guard position. And Corbin, any, any guys in that, uh, in that second round range that you think could be a, Sneaky peek. I like Trevor Kills from Duke. You know, I think you got somebody with six seven to ten, kind of stocky, like a Lou Dort kind of guy. Um, likes to attack the rim, pretty stocky, compact, built kind of dude. Uh shoots a three okay, has a pretty strong motor. I think he's somebody that if he shoots a three a little bit better, he has a decent mid-range shot. The consistency hasn't always been there, but you know, let's say he brings that to NBA, kind of works out the kinks in that shot. Um, I think you got another, I don't want to say another Lou Dort, but a player of that ilk uh, with a nice strong body who can kind of defend multiple positions and knock down a three at a high clip on the offensive end. And Luca, what do you think? Uh, any any guys you got an eye on? Well, I just want to say, uh, you know, last season when Pat and I were preparing for, you know, uh, the NBA draft, the Celtics only had a second round pick. My guy was Herb Jones. So, you know, I wish you guys let him slip a little bit more, but... <laughs> I also just want to say it's a crime. He was eight people left him off the all rookie ballot. I mean, that just tells me they weren't even watching because Herb was phenomenal. I absolutely love his game. But as far as my, I could go all day about Herb, but as far as my second round. Captain America over here. My <laughs> second, uh, prospect. I like Peyton Watson. You know, he leaves a lot to be desired on the offense. You do? <laughs> oh, listen, listen. <laughs> He, he leaves a lot to be desired on the offensive end. And, you know, he has to physically get bigger. But, you know, I think as you saw how much I like Sohan, you know, I like Herb. You know, I'm a guy who likes potential defensive versatility. And in the second round, 
and I really like him. Also, I'm surprised we didn't mention EJ Liddell's name either in this uh, this entire time because yeah. not super high on EJ. You know, I saw him playing in in, uh, in high school a couple times. He was phenomenal back then, but he's one of those guys where he's going to slip because he's a little older, but then he actually is able to make an impact as a rotation guy, you know, and be what he is right away. It's kind of how I feel about him. So I just want to bring him up. And I know I knew Peyton Watson was not going to be popular, uh, you know, because like I said, he could he, – he barely played at UCLA, right? And his offense was not good at all. But I think there's some skills he can tap into. And lastly, PBJ, Patrick Baldwin Jr., I just wish you didn't go to uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, man. I just wish you went to Duke. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have to talk about Patrick Baldwin Jr. a little bit. and But I can say from Luca, I can clearly tell that you're with Sports Ethos Celtics because all your guys are like winning team guys. You're, <laughs> you love the guys that are ready to come in right now. You're not used to being on a bad team, needed to reach for a star. I can see that right there. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. That's fair. Uh, guilty uh, but Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, yeah, he has super potential. He could easily be one of the top 10 players in this draft. Easily could be a bust. <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, he definitely should not have went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But he has all the talent in the world to be very successful in this draft. Fantastic. Well, guys – Thank you all so much for uh, taking the time out of your evenings to record and uh, chat the draft and unpack it all. It's been, I mean, we, we do it once a year. We should do it more often. It's always yes. such good fun and um, we'll, have to, we'll have to get onto each other and, and sort that out. Um, Will, where can we find you? Final thoughts and uh, where can we find you? What's coming up? Well, I have to thank you, Lyle, first of all, for putting this all together. It's always fun being on with you guys. Truly great to be with Brad again, Corbin, my guy. We always take too much time apart. And yes, Luca, sir. <laughs> nice meeting you, Luca, for the first time. I love your takes on these prospects. You can check me out at the All Rookie Podcast on Twitter at William S. Bill. Talk about rookies all the time. This is my perfect time of the year, so check me out. And Brad, where can we find you over at the uh, Ethos Hawks? Can you let us know what's going on over there? Um, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. You know, they've been kind of tight lipped. We put out words that we're going to be aggressive this year, but the off season has not really fully hit because, you know, somebody here has a team in the NBA finals, Luca. Um, but it's, until it all unfolds and packed and unpacks and we see what the markets going to look like, we're going to be on top of it here at sports ethos Atlanta Hawks. So check us out on Twitter at Ethos Hawks and then follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T 67. Before I pass this on, Liddell is a tweener. Luca, you should like him. Boston Celtics love tweener players. Y'all love them tweeners. It's duly noted. <laughs> and uh Corbin, thank you very much for joining us. Where can we find you? What's coming up? And uh yeah, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean I first off, thank you again. It's cool seeing everyone again. Luca's been a minute. Uh same for Will, Brad, same, Lyle. I mean, here we are. Um, so it's been pretty dope. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, basically everything I'm doing is all over there. Uh Round Ball Ramble is for uh sports ethos, and that's just a mix of everything rambling about the round ball. So, I mean, we got what, not just the NBA. We talked WNBA. We got a little big three action in there. This professional basketball is being talked about. So, uh, with the offseason starting, I already had some pretty cool cast, uh, Motor City Hoops for Troy Pistons offseason and some others coming on. Um, 
talk Eric Pincus for the Lakers and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we're just having off-season draft, mock draft, all sorts of stuff. I should be hitting each of y'all up here real soon to get on here. But, um, yeah, that's where you can find me at Corbin NBA. And, again, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And, uh, Luca, the uh, championship begins – well, the attempt at it begins very, <laughs> very soon. What uh, – I suppose – there's plenty still to talk about for, for the your Celtics. Uh, can you let us know what's going on and, um, yeah, where we can find you? Absolutely. You can go find the uh, the show's account over on Twitter at Ethos Celtics. You know, I wish I was preparing for the offseason and the draft like you guys have to. You know, it's just such a shame. We got to play for the finals. But, uh, no, seriously, like I said, I'm just trying not to, like, psych myself out before Thursday. Um, I'm really excited. You know, Pat and I record. You know, we pump out our shows multiple times a week. But you can find me over on Twitter at Luca underscore Gainer. And hopefully we'll be uh, reporting on, uh, you know, game one or game two win, hopefully, in, uh, in a few days here. Hopefully. Hopefully. No guarantees. Too right. <laughs> I mean, I, I like thanks, when other teams win. <laughs> Including the Lakers, though? Hey. You said you like when other teams win. I just wanted to ask the Lakers part of those other teams. Oh, I mean, like if Pelicans aren't in and not the Lakers. Um, so <laughs> they count as a team if it's just LeBron. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. I'm done talking. <laughs> it's been great, guys. <laughs> I had to get it in. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm Lyle Swithenbank. This is the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Been joined by the Sports Ethos Avengers. And apologies to Corbin. I put that cheap shot in at the end. Look after yourselves, guys. Um, And uh, we'll talk soon. Everyone out there, stay safe. And uh, bye for now. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.